In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. From the epistle. Do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. What is the most essential part of Christian faith? Is it personal faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior? Is it the creedal and doctrinal truths that God is Trinity, Jesus is fully God and fully man? Is it the new commandment to love one another as Christ has loved us? <clears throat> These are all necessary aspects of authentic faith. However, the most essential part of faith is not something we believe or do. The essential part is something that has been done to us. Through baptism, we were put to death with Jesus, and we were raised to new life through the gift of the Holy Spirit. Every other part of faith depends upon this central experience. By faith, we enter into this experience of dying and rising. By our doctrine, we explain this experience of dying and rising. And by our love, we bear witness to our participation in this experience of dying and rising. <clears throat> but the experience itself is the central thing. In Romans chapter 6, verse 1, the verse that comes right before our epistle today, St. Paul poses a question that is asked by self-justifying people in every age. It goes like this. Since Jesus died for our sins and freely forgives us, why don't we just continue to sin and allow Jesus to continually show how gracious he is by forgiving us? In the epistle, St. Paul responds by saying, your question shows that you don't know what happened to you in your baptism. You died with Christ to sin, and you were raised with him through the Holy Spirit to live in a new way. This is why we pray in our baptismal liturgy, grant that this person or child may die to sin and rise to newness of life, and grant that all sinful affections may die in him, and all things belonging to the Spirit may live and grow in him. Death and resurrection is the essential experience of our faith. We know that we don't perfectly obey the commandment to love. That's why we're saved by faith. However, life in the Spirit moves us forward. We don't go about trying to figure out what we can get away with. We focus on becoming like Christ. Having been justified, we are now free to love, free to grow into the people Christ has recreated us to be. Children who are learning to walk don't focus on how bad they are because they fall but they also don't plan to continue to fall. They get up and try again and 
make the effort to grow in to move towards the goal of fully walking. We are free from condemnation in Christ, but we are not content with falling. God continually lifts us up by his grace and helps us to try to walk again. Our experience of death and resurrection is marked by continual grace and continual labor in the spirit. The spirit frees us from the condemnation and futility of sin so that our labor in the spirit can produce the fruit of the spirit. As Romans 8.1 says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. When we come to God in our prayer, we remember two things. First, we remember that we are children of God. We say, Abba, Father, to the God who created the universe. Second, we remember that we are children. We are not yet fully formed into the image of Christ. The Holy Spirit thus makes us aware of how we need to grow and change. Through prayer, the Holy Spirit is continually putting to death the old, disordered parts of us, even as the Spirit is raising us up to live in a new way. Now, when people think about, as Romans 6 says, continuing in sin that grace may abound, they're often thinking about surface behaviors, behaviors and bad habits, the disordered coping mechanisms that we cling to and justify. But our surface sins, sins like lust and gluttony and sloth, aren't the real issue. The real issue is our reluctance to surrender control. We are not ready to die with Jesus, not completely, not quite yet. So we hold on to outposts of our old self, the part of us that died in baptism. Thus, our baptismal experience is progressive. In the life of prayer, we grow into the experience of death and resurrection. And the two parts of this experience are connected. Things must die in us for new things to grow in us. Our growing awareness of what must die and our growing willingness to let the spirit put it to death is what leads us to grow in the spirit. And this growth in death and life hinges on our surrender of control. We don't like letting go. We accuse others of trying to control things because we don't like the way they get in the way of our attempts to control things. We want them to stop so we can take over. We grow by our gradual awareness of the futility of everyone's attempt to control life. And control works like this. We have it all worked out. We've figured out the plan that would be really good for God to bless. And it would also be really good for everyone involved. And it really is a good plan. 
but two things happen. One, we can't control people and situations exactly the way we want to. Messy, uncooperative people stymie our plan. And two, even when we have some success in our controlling efforts, some other unforeseen thing or person intrudes and unexpectedly messes it all up. Our response is to revise our plan and try harder until we are ready to die just a little bit more. The problem with letting go of control is that it feels like chaos will follow if we do. I mean, if I'm not clenching the steering wheel and keeping watch on everything, who will? I thought about this during Holy Week when I realized what a bad idea Good Friday looked like in the middle of the afternoon. It looked like chaos because our Lord let go. He trusted his Father. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. The result of his surrender and death was resurrection and new creation and the gift of the Spirit to us that enables us to follow his pattern in our lives. It wouldn't be a very seeker-friendly announcement for a church to say, come and die with us, but it would be honest evangelism. We come to die again so that we can rise again. And without the death, there can be no resurrection. As Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. This progressive experience of death and resurrection will be completed on the day when the trumpet sounds and the dead are raised incorruptible and we are changed. See 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52. For now, this experience is a growing cyclical process for us. We come to God with our hands tight on the wheel, but by the grace of forgiveness and new life, our grip loosens a little bit. We leave our prayer and return to the world, and our grip tightens again, but perhaps with a little less tension than last time we experience some new freedom. But we are forgetful people, so we return to our prayer to remember and experience again the truth that is the essence of our faith, but that we so easily forget. As St. Paul says, do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.